Welcome to Season 2 of Your Daily Chocolate, where you'll continue to get funny stories, clean jokes, and interviews with inspiring people. You made this podcast one of the top 25% most shared podcasts globally and top 25% most followed. Nice to know that good news is appreciated, and Patty's committed to delivering the antidote to all that negativity. Like chocolate, this podcast is meant to make you feel good, and it's good for you. Enjoy. Have you ever called 911? Did you ever wonder who's on the other end taking your call? Well, my guest today is Ricardo Martinez, and he's a great storyteller, as you will soon find out. But he's also an author and the host and creator of Within the Trenches, True Stories from the 911 Dispatchers Who Live Them. It's a podcast based on, you guessed it, the experiences of 911 dispatchers. He actually was a dispatcher and supervisor for 13 years, and now heads up the Within the Trenches media organization. As you'll find out, what dispatchers go through is stressful and emotional, and his goal is really to uh, bring awareness to uh, what dispatchers deal with on a daily basis. I think he's also gonna make you smile. I hope you enjoy. Ricardo, welcome to your daily chocolate. I'm really excited to chat with you today. Hello, I'm I'm excited as well. It's it's an honor to be on. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you are welcome. I want to start with the fact that you were a 911 dispatcher for 13 years, and that cannot be an easy job. How did you even get into that field? Well, you're right. It's not an easy job at all. It's very stressful. When I got into it, I kind of I basically fell into it. So we go back to 2001 and it was actually a few weeks after September 11th. And I was myself kind of just at a kind of a crossroads, not sure where life was really going at the time. I'm 19 and kind of in a rock bottom situation type. So I ended up deciding to leave Michigan where I grew up, all I've ever known. And I end up going to visit my mom, my grandmother, my younger siblings in Florida. I get over there. I was only going to be there for two weeks. Okay. I was only <laughs> going to be there for two weeks, but it ended up turning into a month. And my mom finally comes in and goes, you might want to get a job maybe. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. And at nine, at 19, I only had a management experience, retail management experience under my belt. So that's what I was looking for at the time. And I, I couldn't find anything. So just out of the blue, one day, my mom tells me that my my cousin's husband knows the chief of police. So they had a conversation, I guess, because at the time I thought, oh, OK, cool. Awesome. They, they know nice. each other. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. <laughs> it's a small city. Sure. Awesome. Everybody knows the chief. But what she was getting at was that they had a conversation and they were hiring 911 dispatchers. So at the time, I have no idea, no idea what 911 dispatch does. I know they, they take phone calls, they send out help. And one of my favorite shows growing up was Rescue 911 yeah. with William Shatner. So <laughs> that is my experience, right? So I end up filling out an application. I get an interview. I go in and the chief and the lieutenant are firing all these questions at me. And I'm keeping up with them. I'm thinking I'm awesome. Like, this is great. Like, right. I'm, I'm doing yeah. awesome in this interview. And we get to the end 
And thinking about it now, and, and every time I've told this story, I always think about the fact that they were basically testing me. They were testing me right then and there to see if I would be able to handle the rapid fire questions and just everything to think on my feet. Right. So I go through the interview. I don't hear anything from them for two months. So I oh. thought, well, there goes that. Yeah, I two months go by. I didn't hear anything from them until one day, again, out of the blue. But this time my grandmother runs into my room and she starts yelling at me in Spanish, saying the police are here. The police are here. And what then did says, you what do? did you do? Right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what she said. It was hilarious. But at the time, I'm freaking out thinking, did I do something? I, no, I think I'm all right. I think I had an okay night the night before. So I go out there because she's basically throwing me out of the room, telling me to go outside. And it's the chief. And he, we say hello. I ask him what's going on. And he asked me if I still wanted the job. And I said yes. And I told him that I, I thought that the interview didn't go well. And he goes, no, it, it went well, but we have we have an extensive background check that we have to oh. do. Everything checked out. And so a lot of times with a new job, you sometimes start the next week, right? Well, right. that's what I asked the chief. And he goes, will you start tonight? Yes. I And I, I thought he was joking. And so I'm laughing huh? and he's laughing. And I said, no, really? <laughs> Do I really start tonight? And he goes, you want the job, don't you? And I said, oh, no, like I do. I just, I, I thought you were joking. No, when, okay, what time do I go in? So Holy my first cow. shift, yeah, my first shift was a midnight shift. So it was 10 at night to six in the morning. So of course I go back in and I tell my grandmother what happened and she's like, good job. Yeah. And I go in for my very first shift and I'm freaking out. And Are, are you I, shadowing somebody or they put you on the board? Well, I'm with my trainer. I'm with a trainer and I go in and he shows me everything in there. And I'm just kind of staring at that 911 phone system because I'm thinking it's just going to be going off. Right. But it, it wasn't really. It's a small town. So there wasn't a lot of high call volume or anything like well, that. Yeah, If the chief comes to your house to offer you the job, it's got to be a small town. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, right. So in the, the city in Florida. So this is central Florida. And the city is Frostproof. That's the name of the city. So, an, oh, yeah, I thought frost you meant proof. like they don't get snow. Okay. Well, so really quick, the funny story, the town years and years ago used to be called Keystone, but apparently there was some sort of winter that ruined the crops, like the groves, except for in Keystone. So the mayor ended up changing it to Frostproof. That's you can look it up. It's true. Okay. So I get in there and I'm waiting for anything else to happen. 911 goes off. My trainer takes the call and I'm sitting there watching almost as if it's like Shark Week or National yeah. Geographic, right? Just in awe of what I'm seeing. And he gets off the phone and I'm almost like a standing ovation. Well done. That was awesome. And he goes, all right. He goes, well, you're next. Yes, exactly. Now, people can't see us right now. They can right. only hear us, but <laughs> Patty shrugged her shoulders up like, oh, that's exactly how I was too. Yeah, nothing like jumping into the deep end. Right, yeah, just completely throwing me to the lion, so to speak. So I'm standing there and I said, no, really? And he goes, no, really? And I said, there's nothing else. I remember throwing my hands up and saying, there's nothing else to this. There's no other training. And he goes, look, you, 
this is how you're going to learn is by doing it. You learn on the job. Basically, to do this job, you have to have common sense. You have to have thick skin and you have to be human. And I and was be able waiting. to stay calm. Right. And be able yeah. to stay calm. All of this. And I'm sweating, yeah. waiting for this call to come in. And it finally comes in and I answer 911, where's your emergency? And it ended up being a misdial. <laughs> I love it. Yes, it was. Yeah, it was like the they're, dispatch universe threw that at me. It's like, let's break wanting the ice, to order kid. a pizza or something. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It was what we call a butt dial. Somebody had yeah. sat on their phone and it called oh, 911 yeah. and they didn't mean to. And they're freaking out. And they didn't know this, of course. But in the back of my head, I'm freaking out, too. But also, yes, thank the Lord. <laughs> do you remember your first real call? I do. Yeah. The first real one, it was there were a lot of different calls that came in, right? So after after that initial night, there was a few more shifts. But the following week, there was an actual week of 40-hour beginner's dispatch course that I did take where they teach you all these different techniques and just how people are when they're calling in. Right. But that, that very first, I would say, high-priority call, it was a pretty hard one. It's one that sticks with me, and that one was a pretty hard one. Wow. So I would think a lot of your days as a dispatcher would be hard. You're dealing with, with the exception of butt dials. Right. And, yeah. <laughs> and maybe somebody whose cat is up a tree, which is still an awful thing to go through. Mm -hmm. um, you're, you're kind of dealing with people's worst days. So how do you, as a dispatcher, like leave that in the office when you go home and, and how do you get up the next morning to do it again? So a lot of times you try to leave it at dispatch. Yeah. But it's it, it doesn't always happen because when you get back, especially for myself, because I lived about 40, 45 minutes from dispatch. I didn't I didn't live in the county that I worked in. Oh. And so and this is from Florida. Like, Well, in Florida, in the city, I did live there. But when I left Florida and moved back home to southwest Michigan, I I continued my dispatch career and actually oh. the county that I grew up in. So once I got to that part, I ended up driving those 45 minutes, sometimes in silence because yeah. those voices, all yeah. of that, the screams were in my head. However, mm -hmm. to be able to continue to come back, I loved what I was doing. I loved the job. And although there is a lot of horrific, horrible things, people calling on their worst nightmare, there are a lot of rewarding things, too. And those were the things that I hung on to were those yeah. rewarding calls. Although they are few and far between, I would think about those. I would think yeah. about the impact or potential impact that I was having on some of these callers. And that continued to push me to keep going back. Yeah. And I would think even when somebody's calling on their worst day, the fact that you are helping them and that you know that you're sending help to whether it's an accident or a domestic disturbance or what you're doing is going to alleviate that pain. And so you have to remember that. I would imagine that's a part of your um, decompressing at the end of the day is I help five people. Right. You feel, you feel almost accomplished. And yeah. a, a lot of the teaching that I do now with a lot of dispatchers is I tell them, 
write down some of those wins because when you're having a hard day, you can go back to those wins. So for example, when I was back in Southwest Michigan, now for a central dispatch where there's three of us working at a time and now 12 hour shifts, there was a, a call that I took where there was a, there was a lady who was, who called in hysterical. She was a mom. She had younger kids and the kids were all sledding. This is wintertime. So they're all sledding down this hill. They were competing against each other. They wanted to see who would get the furthest. Mm-hmm. The youngest child, a daughter, she ends up winning. She gets the furthest. However, she ends up sliding or sliding rather down onto the pond that they had there. And it was thin ice. Okay. They couldn't get to her. So I'm keeping mom calm. We've got everyone heading out there. And as soon as help gets there, I end up hanging up the phone with her and I'm just sitting there. And just waiting and waiting until finally they end up keying up on the radio and saying, we got her. We got her. And, you know, that even now I'm sitting at the edge of my seat telling this story. But here's the other thing. And this I will always have with me. About a week later, I believe it was early morning. And one of my supervisors at the time, because I wasn't a supervisor yet, but one of my supervisors at the time was reading the local newspaper. And she ends up saying, who took this call? And of course, all of us are thinking, what? Defensive. Oh, yeah. Right, right. <laughs> You're reading about a call in a newspaper. That's not always good. So I, I end up asking, what call was it? And she ends up reading it. And it was actually the family. So the family from the call that I took, they took out an ad in the local newspaper and thanked dispatch and everyone who was out there that helped save their daughter. Oh, wow. She cut cut that out and I have it in a folder and I will always have that. Yeah. That needs to be framed up on your wall, Ricardo. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's rewarding. Mm -hmm. And and I think I, I so appreciate the fact that she included the dispatcher because I think so often the first responders are considered to be the police officers, the ambulance, the fire. They don't really think of the person who answers the phone. That right. got all of that rolling. Yes. Yeah. I would imagine in, in addition to those heart-wrenching and heartwarming calls, you also get some pretty funny calls. Yes, we do. Can you share those? <laughs> yeah. So there are many that I can think of, but one that uh, really stands out to me because it, I'm not going to say this next part. I'll save it for just this in a few seconds. So We're going back to when I was working in Florida and it is New Year's Eve and I'm sitting there taking all of these calls and a call comes in for a noise complaint and I already got officers that are going to be headed that way. Well, that one officer that was working on that side and the person starts describing the house and they said they have kind of a deck out there. There's like Christmas lights on it and immediately... My eyes pop open and I'm thinking, oh, no, please, no. And they continue to describe the house. And I get off the, I'm I'm telling them, okay, we'll get an officer out there. Do you want to make contact with them? And they said, no, it's all right. We just, if they could turn down the music, that would be good. We know that it's New Year's Eve, but they've got some loud music going. So I get off the phone, I hang up and I start laughing to myself. And I get a hold of the officer and I said, that loud noise complaint you're going to is my house. Oh, no. <laughs> because 
I knew I was going through my shift, right? I was going to be off in a few hours and I knew who was going over there. I knew that my family was there with other family and we were, they were having a party there. <laughs> it's New Year's Eve. And I knew exactly those lights. This was even before they gave me the location. They're describing the house. <laughs> and I guess one of the first things we ask is the location. Right. But as I'm asking for that location, they're already describing the house and I already knew. So the officer calls me up and starts laughing and he goes, I'll go out there and tell him to turn it down. I said, yes, please do. And he goes, if you want to call and, and give them a heads up, let them know that I'm coming out there, but also to turn it down. Yeah. And I said, all right. So I call my mom answers and she goes, oh, hi, what's going on? And, Wait, I can't hear you. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Let me turn the music down. So I tell her and she just goes, are you for real? And I said, yes, they're the officers coming out there right now. So a little while later, the officer comes in and he's wiping his mouth. And I said, why are you wiping your mouth? And he goes, your mom makes excellent enchiladas, man. That food was great. I was like, they fed you. I love it. And, and he goes, yeah. He goes, I walked up. The music was already down and they have food. And right away, they're like, are you hungry? And I said, well, yeah, I am hungry. <laughs> so, so that's just one of those funny things that, that oh, can yeah. happen. And this had to do with my family. I would do it. Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. I remember actually, you know, it reminds me of a time when my parents, their burglar alarm went off. And they didn't know about it because they were out somewhere. Mm -hmm. And my brother had been on the police force, so he knew all of these guys. Well, they went into my parents' house, and my mom to this day is so embarrassed because they had not yet made the beds. And things were a little bit messy. I think there were dishes <laughs> still in the sink. And she's like, of all the days for our alarm to go off. And then it turned out to be my brother's parents' house. So he was like, oh. <laughs> So I think she she made cookies for them and brought it oh, to them that's and, and said, please come back when my house is clean. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. I love it. So so you've got a book out mm -hmm. called Imagine Listening. Your worst day is our every day. And yes. you've collected these stories from 911 dispatchers from all over the world, right? Mm -hmm. Not just the U.S. What do you notice as you're pulling all those stories together? Are there commonalities? Are there differences? Are emergencies no matter where you are? What would you would you just it's pretty much what you just said. Emergencies are emergencies wherever they are. A lot of things that I did notice is a lot of us were holding in these stories. Mm -hmm. And now there was an outlet. All of these stories have gone out. They go out anonymously. And people were sending in stories from all over the world saying specifically one of one of the emails that I got was from someone saying, my my hands are still shaking from typing out this story, okay. but I feel better because I've held it in for so long and now I have an outlet. So some of the things that were coming out as well is so the incident types are the same, right? When you think about arguments, domestics, different yeah. things like that. Yeah. But the situation is always different. And some of the similarities, we wanted to be heard. We wanted to be recognized. And not just that, and not just these stories that are in the book, but some of the people that I've spoken to as well. For example, we get a lot of 
dog complaints. Okay. There are a lot of calls that come in for dog complaints. Barking, well, not biting, right? Right. A yeah. lot of barking. Yeah. The majority yeah. would be barking, loud noise complaints, nuisance, yeah. whichever. But some of the dispatchers that I've spoken to, let's say out of Canada, instead of dog calls, like dogs in other people's yards, they have bears oh. in other people's yards. <laughs> So some of those are pretty interesting when I'm talking to them. But for the book specifically, a lot of them were the same type. And it was really all of us coming together as unified to share these stories, to let people know what it is really like for us on that other end, that we're not just answering the phone and sending out help, that even though we're calm, cool and collected in the back of our minds, we're freaking out with the callers as well, but it's our job to stay calm yeah. and to be able to get them help as fast as possible. That, that's crazy. And I love that they now have an outlet for that. Mm-hmm. Is that what, I know you have a podcast called Within the Trenches, right? Is that the same thing? You're helping the dispatchers tell their stories or tell me a little bit about what, what your podcast is. So it's Within the Trenches, true stories from the 911 dispatchers who live them. And this actually started as a college project back in 2010. Around that time, a little bit before that, rather, I was kind of going through a burnout stage myself. And I ended up going back to school. All of these big projects I was doing in school had to do with dispatch because around this time as well, people were asking, even when I would go get my haircut, what do you do for a living? And I would sit there and think, do I tell them? Right. Because I know what's going to happen. They're going to ask me, what's the worst call you've taken? What's the craziest call you've taken? And in the beginning, my thought process at the time was, why do you want me to relive that? Like, that's crazy. Yeah. But we are, as humans, just naturally curious. So instead of thinking that, I switched my mindset around and turned it into public education. So then whenever anyone would ask me, I would tell them about those calls. I wouldn't go into big detail, but I wanted them to know what it was like for us. Right. And sharing it that way and then writing it down in a blog, because Within the Trenches actually started as a blog, me sharing my stories. It was therapeutic. Yeah. And I I finally had my own outlet. So then I go into my master's program in new media journalism. They introduce us to podcasting. And I thought, if I can turn my blog within the trenches into a podcast, have other dispatchers come on one, maybe them sharing will be therapeutic for them, but also Mm -hmm. others, it'll be therapeutic for them to hear these stories and maybe they will want to share as well. And the public will learn even more about what it is we do, but more importantly, why we do it. And that's where within the trenches comes from. That's fantastic. And so how long have you been doing that then? So this year, 2023, actually marks the 10-year anniversary of Within the Trenches. I've been doing it. Yes, it started in 2013, and it just really started building up with people coming on, sharing stories, and just from around the world, people listening and wanting to know more. It's been amazing. It's been a great experience. Well, and those stories will never end Mm -hmm. because we've got 911 dispatchers everywhere that are constantly experiencing the good, the bad, the ugly and and wanting to share that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So in your book, you also, you kind of give a peek behind the curtain of what it is to be a dispatcher. What what do you think would surprise people to know? 
think one of the things that would really surprise people, and, and this part specifically is not exactly in the book. However, one thing that would surprise people would be that a lot of the calls that come into 911 are not emergencies. Yeah. They are people who are calling in asking for parade times, fireworks. No. I swear to you. Yes. <laughs> fireworks times or that, you know, they're calling because their electricity is out. Do you know that our electricity is out? And I remember saying to people, yes, we're on generator right now. <laughs> we are experiencing it as well. Yeah. And sometimes people would just say, okay, okay, that's all I needed to know. Thanks. And, and that was it. <laughs> so then, but again, a lot of people with uh, even trick or treating times, they would call in to say, this isn't an emergency, but. Oh gosh. And, but I want to know, do you know if the city is doing trick or treat yeah. times and, or, or trick or treating after all? And if they are, what are the times? Now, if we had the time, <laughs> we would answer, we would have the information already set out just yeah. in case people were yeah. calling. So if we had the time that we could quickly do it, we would go ahead and do it. But a lot of times we would tell them just call the non-emergency line or right. go to the internet and look it up. But oh my gosh, those that's one of the things that also one of the other things is that if you call on a cell phone, we might not have your location. The technology is way better now where you can be found fairly easily. However, when I was in dispatch, that technology wasn't there and it would be a struggle. And that would kind of stick with you as well. If if it took a little bit to find somebody, it, th those right. things were really hard. It's not like the way you see it on TV. Is there um, a, a tip that you can give folks for their phones? Is there something you can turn on that would always have your GPS location or? With the different location apps that are out there and just technology in general, there's a company called Rapid SOS. They do a lot of different things. They work with companies like Apple and Android, and they have a lot of stuff that that helps with it. Another app to look at is What Three Words. So What Three Words is something that you can have on your phone where I, I forget the whole explanation for it, but you can actually, you'd be able to give your location a lot easier with something like that. Now, oh. going back to Rapid SOS, they're a company, they're not an app. They're a okay. company that has technology, but What Three Words is a company and has an app that you can download onto your phone. And they use three different words that can pinpoint you where you're at. And it's something that you can give dispatch. Now, of course, the, the dispatch center has to be using it as well, okay. but it's easy enough for them to go into a web browser and and find you and and look it up that way. Oh, interesting. So, okay. Yeah, so there's it's it's a lot easier now, but before, oh man, yeah. I I can tell you that I would go home sometimes just worried, wondering where those people were because we couldn't find them. Always know where you're at, your surroundings, whether yeah. it be cross streets or yeah. landmarks, always know that stuff because you never know yeah. what could happen. Oh my gosh. Well, that's a great mm -hmm. tip. One last thing. Hashtag I am 911. Mm -hmm. that, it started out as a storytelling effort to impact legislation, I think. Is that right? Right. Yes. So 2016. And, oh, go ahead. 
I was just going to ask if it worked and what what the result was. Well, it kind of worked. So, okay. so it was a way to raise awareness for reclassification because currently 911 professionals are seen as clerical. So in the clerical class, the Office of Management and Budget, they have different classes for different jobs. And for emergency dispatchers, they're in the clerical class. So around that time in 2016, they were trying to reclassify to the protective class with the rest of public safety. And what I, which is where Imagine Listening comes from as well, this book, it has all of these I Am 911 stories. I wanted to raise awareness for that reclassification to, to show the difference between emergency dispatchers and commercial dispatchers, clerical workers, all of that. And that did raise awareness, but it quickly turned into peer support because we ended up finding out that all of these folks that were sending in stories, they had been holding them in, but we all got together to be able to prove and, and show what it is that we really do by sharing these stories. So for Imagine Listening, it's also a session that I do at public safety conferences where it's a peer support session. Dispatchers share their own personal stories, whether out loud or they write it down. And uh, that's for 30 minutes we do that. But the last 30 minutes is called open mic. And that's where we share all the funny stories. Yeah. So we start out emotionally intense, but we end with laughter with that's a lot true. of those funnier stories. That's but that's important. what the I Am 911 movement is. It was It started out to raise awareness. And it did, and it still continues to raise that awareness. However, it quickly turned into peer support and then evolved into what is Imagine Listening as well. So we've got the I Am 911 movement and then Imagine Listening, which is that public safety session, but also the book that highlights all of these stories that came out. Now, it's only 142 pages. It's book one in a series of okay. books that are going to be okay. coming out to highlight those stories. Oh, okay. So when does the mm -hmm. next one come out? The next one actually comes out... August of 2024. And there's, okay. so it's kind of cool though, because the I am 91 movement launched August 24th, 2016. And it was just after this national conference in Orlando. So that conference next August will be back in Orlando. Wow. So full I, circle. It's a full circle. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be really exciting. And August of 24. Yes, exactly. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> well, that Holy just God. gave me chills. <laughs> you didn't realize that? I, I, I wasn't thinking about the 2024 oh part. Yes. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You just gave me goosebumps. Holy moly. That, yeah, that's complete full circle there. That yes. is. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, Ricardo, this has been really fun to, to hear your stories and all the, the wonderful things that you're doing. But uh, We'll put links to all of this in the show notes so people can find not only the book, but your podcast and and information about you. Awesome. And, and before I let you go, though, I've got some rapid fire questions. So are you oh, ready? Here we go. Okay, yep. let's do this. <laughs> so if Hollywood was going to bring your story to life, who would play you? Oh, man, who would play me? Let's see. Well, I would probably go with, oh, and I'm try I can't remember his name now. He <laughs> Okay, so th there's a couple people. How about Keanu Reeves? Hello. I think Keanu Reeves would be good. That'd be awesome. I think I I've seen him wear glasses like I'm wearing now before. So that would work. <laughs> I love Keanu Reeves. He is apparently just the nicest guy in the entire world. So Right. Good Very choice. humble. Yeah. So what do you do in your downtime? On my downtime now, people can't see this, but behind me, I have 
a screen printing press. I'm also a graphic designer and I enjoy designing and everything. So in the process, even though the process was a pain to learn in the beginning, it was actually kind of therapeutic as well. So that's what I do. I screen print and I I create hats. So all my podcast merchandise, I do it here at home. Oh, very cool. Okay. Who or what makes you laugh? My kids. Immediately. My kids. Yeah. (laughs) We do something at the dinner table where we start with high low. So the high thing of the day and the low thing of the day. And then we go into ask the question. So basically we start running scenarios. If you could have one thing to drink, one thing to eat and one thing to do for the rest of your life, what would it be? And to see them really get creative about it is so much fun and it's hilarious. What would your one thing be? Your one thing to eat and drink and so it's probably like water tacos and uh, screen printing. I don't know. I don't know about <laughs> I'll that. I'll go with that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm not sure I see Keanu Reeves doing that, but I don't know. Oh, true. Yeah. You never know. He's, he's playing a any, character. Yeah. Do you have anything on your bucket list? On my bucket list? That would be, there's so many different things. And at first the, the bucket list part would have been to, be an international speaker, but that's going to be happening soon. I'm going to be speaking in Mexico. So, and that's in October, okay. I'll be speaking there. So check that that's off. going to be checking that off. Yeah. So you need to that, find another one now. I know. Yeah, yeah. I need to find another one for sure. Well, congrats on that. Thank okay. you. I appreciate that. And because this is called your daily chocolate, what's your favorite chocolate? Oh, my favorite chocolate is going to be the, it was at Ferrer Rocher or how, how it was pronounced? Ferrer Rocher. Yes, Roche. Yeah. There you go. For Roche. Those are amazing. They make me feel happy. <laughs> Those are I the ones. I love it. I love it. Well, Ricardo, you make me feel happy. Thank you for joining oh, me. I appreciate it. This was a lot of fun. Thank you. As October 28th is National First Responders Day, I hope you will thank a dispatcher. Hopefully you don't need them but thank them anyway, and thank your other first responders. If you know somebody who needs to hear this and needs to smile, share it with them. Feel free to give us your feedback too. We always like to hear from our listeners. And be sure to come back next week. I've got an interesting guest for you, Juliet Watt. She was a Playboy bunny in London for many years, but that's not the most interesting thing about her. She escaped a war, She was trafficked. She took down a rapist. She has done so many amazing things. It actually sounds like a John Grisham novel. You're going to want to hear it. So come on back next week. And until then, enjoy. Enjoy.